from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, February 3rd, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one solution for anyone looking to create a beautiful website. Whether you need a landing page, a gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace site. Building a site with Squarespace is so easy, even Eddie can do it. It is really <laughs> shocking. It's a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You know who can't do it? Jesse. <laughs> I think he can. Oh, no. I, no, no. I, Squarespace, Squarespace is that good, Eddie. Yeah. Is yeah that just good. <laughs> that someone just, who is a professional digital media yeah. uh, content producer can actually make a website. Thanks a lot, Jerk. I'm fine <laughs> with Squarespace. Essentially, he just jams on a big green button that's in front of him, and then a website comes up. <laughs> I do think it's funny that uh, their that their tagline is uh, that they are the best way to create a beautiful website, mm-hmm. not yeah. not not just any old website. Right, but it's true. Their templates are actually amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will tell you that I am familiar also with another platform that markets itself as fairly easy and beautiful, mm-hmm. and it is very easy on that site to not know what you're doing and make something ugly. <laughs> I'm not going to say who they are, but they're not Squarespace. You can uh, go over to Squarespace and try uh, try it out for free. You can start building a website, no credit card required. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, which you will because it's so good, <laughs> you'll get a uh, domain included in your purchase uh, for free if you sign up for a year. Yeah. And also, if you enter code RELEVANT, you'll get 10% off your purchase. A little special little special something for Relevant Podcast listeners there. Parenthetically, I've always enjoyed the idea that you're buying a domain because it feels like mm-hmm. a little kingdom, a little, a little it's, like yeah, it's all, area it's, it's, it's of it's the real world. estate in the digital world. <laughs> Right. It's like a prayer of Jabez kind of moment. Uh I am expanding my domain. Mm -hmm. I like it. I own this. You're claiming your territory is what you're doing. Right. When you go over to Squarespace and put an offer code relevant to save 10%, you're saving 10% on your your territory Mm -hmm. in the digital spiritual realm. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios. We call him Eddie on time. Oh, no problem. No sweat. <laughs> Over we'll there, our social later. media maven, Chelsea Steele. Hello, everybody. Uh, on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. And on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. It's getting to the point with that. I've never been on a movie set. Let me say that. I've right. never worked on one. But how I imagine them, there's always one guy on there like Eddie who comes waltzing out of the, no. sh- out of the trailer in a robe <laughs> with sunglasses and a Starbucks no. while everyone's ready to shoot. No, he's, still getting, he's still getting that, that woman with like the powder pads on his face. And he's arguing Here's with her. Thing. And I he in. takes one sip and he goes... And spits it all over her face, and then I said, "I said lukewarm. This is room temperature." And he spikes it, and we're delayed like an hour. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, and Chandler, this is playing out to me. Chandler, you're going to take a pretty big hit on this next section, but for three years of this podcast, Chad, and then Jeremiah, and then whatever Jeremiah again, hey, hey, and some quick, other stuff. Hey, JD, real quick, Chandler, have, what he's about to do is in my mind is when he takes his golf cart and goes and rams it into his trailer. Right. That's what's happening now. It's a full on. I have it's been a full here. on. Diva, 
celebrity meltdown we're witnessing continue Eddie but I have been here literally when the studio is off it's 10 o'clock I'm doing work for two weeks in a row you're gonna hear from my agent on this one (laughs) I'm sitting here I'm ready 11.30 rolls around noon rolls around Chandler comes in on his fixed wheel and decides okay let's start a podcast because I feel like it for the last two weeks I have been inundated with meetings for one of my other five jobs Chandler decides by God's grace to show up at 11.29 to start his show and I am one minute late and I'm getting this let me just say this I miss Chad Chad was the best Chad knew how to do it uh, well uh, now that we're all here and, and we're yeah. able to start the show very excited yeah, no uh, sweat that's we, the other big thing we have a we have a great show in store for you coming up later uh, Ravi Zacharias joins us wow, wow. Yeah, I know right cool I'm bringing it, it. I mean, we had N.T. Wright, we had Robbie Zacharias, yeah. and yeah, yeah, we were just bringing it. Um, Do you think he corrects people when they call him Robbie? Because <laughs> it's pretty close. Well, I, you know, I, Aaron did the interview. I think he called him Robbie throughout, so you can ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie uh, Zacchaeus. He, uh, he and Vince uh, Vital are authors of a new book called Jesus Among Secular Gods, and they, they both are joining us later on the show. That sounds uh, Also, uh, last week, a new album from The Brilliance came out, so The Brilliance is joining us uh, to talk about the new album, and, and we'll play a lot of the music from it, so that's pretty awesome. Um, and then also, you know, if you follow the news a little bit, um, refugees and, mm-hmm. and, and immigrants are kind Kinda in the headlines right mm. now, and we talked to uh, Jenny Yang and Christina Kleinpeter of World Relief, which is the uh. only Christian organization authorized by the State Department to resettle refugees. They're joining us for a few minutes to talk about kind of what's going on right now and uh, what awesome. they're dealing with. This, this is a packed show. It's a packed show. I'm glad you got here finally, so we yeah. could so we could do <laughs> this for the people. I would have missed that first minute of the show, and God forbid, <laughs> I'm, I'm just jamming my golf cart back into the trailer now. And it on fire. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 this is, this is full on meltdown. You're reversing and just driving yeah. over like a thousand, like a million dollar just camera lens right Throwing now. my scalding hot coffee and your at an robe, intern. your robe has come open at this point. Oh, yeah. You're just running around, everyone's shielding their eyes. It's a, not a pretty scene of what's happening on the set of this film. Right now. It is, it is awful. I'm glad, I'm glad World Relief folks are going to be on because I was like, how are we yeah. going to yeah. talk? Because we, we, we take a, I think we take a very good line of like, all right, there's a lot of things that happen. Some of them we talk about. Some of them, like the conversation's over by the time the podcast comes out. This is not a conversation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we've been very careful for 16 years that we are nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe in bridge building and mm-hmm. uh, we believe very strongly that both parties and are right in some things and wrong in some things. If you are living a biblical worldview, and are trying to follow a biblical worldview, I should yeah. say, and and that politics aren't the answer. And so the way we've covered politics has been arm's length. We don't talk about policy stuff typically. We'll talk about issues. Mm-hmm. We won't mm-hmm. talk about like headlines. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Then every once in a while, something supersedes all that. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, that's what's going on this week. And the conversation is uh, important. And that's you know, know on the site this week we've. We've had an, a, quite a bit um, yeah. that we've been publishing about refugees mm-hmm. and different things uh, that are affecting mm-hmm. our country and our world, and it's caused quite the conversations. We actually last night on Twitter had a had a, a, a reader um, tweet at uh, several of us and tell us, 
that uh, I guess he listens to the show as well because he tweeted Eddie, Jesse, and me. <laughs> and uh, he said he posted on his Facebook page. And he's listened for a long yeah. time. Our, he's been. Yeah, our uh, article, one of the articles we did about refugees where it just said simply, um, what does the Bible say about refugees? Mm. And it was 12 scriptures. With no commentary. Literally Bible verses with no commentary. No commentary. Man. Zero. This is just what the Bible and, says and I about refugees. At the article, they weren't pulled out of context. Correct. Like right. they were. Yeah. Like a, it was a one sentence. It was, Any it was a biblical scholar would, yeah. would agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what we're talking this about. This is what we're talking about. So and and the, the guy, the guy posted on his Facebook page and he screenshotted his mother's reply. His mother unfriended him Are and wrote serious? this super long paragraph, <laughs> scathing, uh, scathing, saying that he's like, uh, Dishon- you've brought dishonor, dishonor to the Lord and all this stuff because of your negativity oh. about these things. And then she went into this whole thing about, oh. How, you know, the politics are, are basically that her political view was more correct than the Bible verses her son posted <laughs> on his Facebook page. People, wow. people. And, I, and I literally sent him, I sent him a reply going, I mean, because I've straddled that tension, maybe sure. not that explicitly in my own family dynamic from time to time over the years. And I just, my heart broke for the guy. I was like, I'm mm. so sorry that you're dealing yeah. with that with your mom, man. That must be horrible. Yeah. The next yeah. reply was Eddie going, ha ha, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, like, Cole, was, Eddie, Eddie has no problem burning bridges. Like I said, yeah. he's open robed right now. Yeah. <laughs> on a movie set, throwing hot coffee. He took the coffee container right now and dumped it on a poor, uh, you know, executive producer. <laughs> I so. said to him, and he and he's I in joke. full meltdown. I will say though he hasn't replied to that because he and I have like joked a lot over the years and I'm like oh gosh I just because I replied like I was like I said oh I was just about to say you've brought dishonor to the family but your mom said it already and I said and then he said mom, mom said, jinx mom jinx he right? threw a mom jinx in there like right. oh I was going to tell you that you dishonored your family but and your mom beat me to it yeah. mom jinx that yeah. was Eddie's reply he hasn't replied and I'm afraid to look and see if he blocked me well, I thought it was funny oh, well. this whole thing man has been and, and I don't mean wow. to like I was going to bring this as my slide but I'm just I'm going to talk about it now the um one of the the things that has been like so disheartening you know part of the nature of you know obviously people who follow us know of of my role is to be kind of on the forefront oh, of stuff we're doing online on the in liberal particular media just the liberal here he goes well, let's well, do it I, I feel like we try to be pretty balanced but something really like emblematic happened this week not just on our site but like. You know, people taking a good natured, uh, you know, stand and and us publishing a piece that was exclusively Bible verses, uh, you know, I think was one of our versions of that. But you saw what happened with Starbucks this week. um, You know, they announced a plan to hire 10,000 refugees over the course of the next five years in in their in countries in 75 stores across the country. And uh, someone tweeted, why doesn't Starbucks uh, hire veterans instead of refugees? We see where their priorities are. Hashtag boycott Starbucks. That led to like 15,000 likes on Twitter. Well, the the reply from people that that uh, uh, were were you know sending this up back to Starbucks is mm-hmm. a press release from 2013 where they announced a plan to hire 10,000 veterans and active duty military spouses uh, uh, to support them. And, and, and the the only thing that I, I bring I bring up that sort of anecdote is like 
not everything has to be political. You don't have to agree with everything. Everything doesn't have to be adversarial. We can all be on the same team here and want what's best for other people and to stick to our convictions without raising boycotts and threats and blocking and unfriending just if you happen to disagree with somebody, and especially on an issue like this where real human lives are at stake here. You know, uh, but if, yeah, Jesse, you got to think, if your son is posting scripture and you are really upset, you know, as a Christian and he's posting scripture, I think that's grounds to unfriend your son. I yeah. mean, I just think that Dishonor. that's a rational, I, well, well, when I think about the response. bonds of blood, especially mother and son, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think, you know, they can be broken in a Facebook post. Yeah. That's I think, generally, <laughs> I think uh, sever all ties while you're at it. Yeah. You it's yeah. not like he was posting explicit things or whatever. He was posting Bible verses. <laughs> yeah. Hey, exactly. well, and a- here's the thing, man, we've run like Cameron, you're right. We've run a lot on refugees and, I do feel like we've taken a balanced approach and really tried to look at the issue uh, without presenting uh, any alternative facts in the, the debate. But <laughs> out of all the pieces to get upset about, that one literally wasn't that's written crazy. by us. Yeah, that that's one, a, yeah. that, the well, byline on that was essentially God. God. <laughs> like, yeah. you got As an it, issue, <laughs> take it up with him. Tweet at him. Tweet at him. Boycott yeah. God if you want because <laughs> he's the one who said it. Hey, you know? Yeah. But I do think it's funny, like, you know, historically, Jesse, over the years, uh, if you go back to the Adam and Jesse era, I remember sitting in the room <laughs> where Jesse would be on one side of the table and Adam would be on the other and I was in the middle and Adam was a flaming liberal or yeah. becoming one. He was a youth pastor and grew up in the church. Now he's an Australian. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's like the worst kind far. of liberal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he, well, he was, Adam was in the middle of that season of life where like you got smarter than everything you believed when you were growing up in the church, right? right he was right, in that right, right. season. Jesse was still the wide-eyed, optimistic, you know, Christian college kid Mm -hmm. who just, you know, conservative and just, you know, just loved everybody. Mm -hmm. And like to see the grumpy old becoming a liberal on one side of the table and Mm -hmm. wide-eyed, optimistic, conservative Jesse on the other was just a beautiful tension. It was just, I loved it. (laughs) I loved loved stirring the pot. I poked the bear almost (laughs) mutually. And and to see Jesse, and I know Jesse's worldview, and if you think just in kind of like political terms, I would say you're probably more libertarian. Would that be right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so I mean like almost like ultra conservative, like from a government political Mm -hmm. type of positioning. And I think it's interesting to see his evolution as we've known each other for the last 12 years or so. Um, like how you've kind of taken on social justice issues and different things that you're passionate about because of your faith, Mm, which don't, uh, don't have any conflict or alignment with your libertarian, maybe governmental views. Yeah. Right? Jesse's mom says, <laughs> but I'm saying like, so there's a, di- there's a distinction here of God issues yeah. and like living this out and believing in what is right and standing for what is right. And then also maybe having some political policy type opinions mm-hmm. and there's, and there there's areas where they align and there's areas where they don't have to necessarily conflict, but they don't necessarily go with one party or the other. Sure. And Jesse lives in that tension. And I think it's really awesome to see. And, and, and Adam doesn't know what to do with it. So <laughs> now I'm sure, I, I do think like, you know, political labels uh, can be damaging to a degree because it automatically forces you into a box where the only box that we're really beholden to is, you know, following through with the teachings that we feel like, uh, you know, Jesus instructed us to follow. And I have to be like overly preachy, but I do feel like that has, uh, you know, hopefully informed some of what I think about politics and government. But I also think the other thing, the other overarching value is that we're to treat people like we want to be treated. And that well, goes to people who think differently. And if well, someone that, thinks differently, mm-hmm. I don't need to block them. I can hear their thoughts. But like, you know, I've gotten 
I got the closest I've ever gotten to a death threat because of one of these. Yeah, this week, you know, somebody threatened him and his family. Are you serious? What? In in sort of a a a veiled but still concerning way, but at the same time, it's like you know that's part of this too. Why you got to be willing to understand that people are going to think differently, and that doesn't invalidate their opinion, even if you think it's not the biblical approach. But we got to be able to talk to each other without just throwing out boycott hashtags threatening each other or or you know blocking our own children yeah on on that note i will say i had a group of friends come over this week we just invited anyone to have an open discussion on everything happening with refugees and there were a lot of different opinions but i think everyone came with the mindset of understanding well first of all we were all christians so i think at the end of the day we had like a commonality in working towards so it's all republicans Re- well, no not at all <laughs> no, yeah yeah um but i mean i think having like a christ-centered conversation allowed us to veer off on some different political differences but it was really cool i think everyone came with a lot of empathy and a lot of people came with a lot of passion and disagreement but it was really cool to see some people's perspectives on things that they had come in with one opinion on sort of shift mm-hmm. as the conversation happened throughout the night it was really cool that so is cool. not everything I, I think I saw hope in conversations being able to take place and opinions being able to change just because people are interacting with people. Yeah. And I think that's what changed. Like, I think computers can cut off so much of the hum- humanity between issues. Well, that's why we're scared about the robot revolution. Right. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I, everyone yeah. should be. But it's really cool, I think, to see uh what happens when you actually get person to person time? The problem is, and the hard part that I've had is that there has been a recent, uh, <laughs> like there's an unreason. There, I love talking to people that have different opinions, but there has yeah. been an increase in people who are not willing to talk. I know, mm-hmm. and there's like an unreasonable yeah, element, and I it's it's and unprecedented. It, I think, and that's what that's the part that gets me scared is mm-hmm. because. You know, it's not right. I skew all kinds of liberal and we can all talk about that and fight about that. But it's gotten like it's gotten vitriolic in a way that I like, like you would unfriend your son. Right. Sort of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's just the craziest that microcosm of yeah. what happened. Yeah. Like he posted this mm. thing about something that he believes because of his faith. Right. Yeah. Literally with no commentary. Right. And he didn't say anything snarky with the post. Right. He just posted it. Yeah. yeah. And like this ministered to him, this challenged him. And he posted it to his friends. Yeah. What his mom said was just completely mm. out of left yeah. field. And it's like, I, I want to be careful with this specific example because like there could be some complex parts sure. of that There's dynamic layers. but generally like that's not at all an exception that's right. sort of the like mm. i have a bunch of people that like and agree with things that i say like even i posted them like the world vision letter which was a pretty like from yeah, the I mean, and especially that was across the polit- for people that don't know just for context for that eddie it was a letter from uh that was posted by world vision but was signed by a, a collective group of evangelical organizations including right. the national leaf anderson from the national association of evangelicals sammy rodriguez uh from the national uh i think it's hispanic yeah. uh uh Evangelical conference. Anyway, a a wide variety of organizations basically saying that they felt like the execution of this executive order was misguided and Mm -hmm. it was uh, a solution to a problem that didn't exist. And and Sammy Rodriguez uh, prayed at Trump's inauguration. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't like a partisan thing. It was about Hmm. the most, I mean, if it's like sharing a, you know, 10 scriptures. Right. 12. 12. 12, sorry. 12 is really the thing that tipped it over the line. Had it been 10? It was those last two. The last two were really convicting and I think that was the problem. Well, they were both from Song of Solomon. Yeah. 
Anyhow, refugees. <laughs> no, no, World Vision letter. Which no, yeah, yeah, World Vision letter. So it's like, but at this point, I realize, like, what's the point? Anybody is just, I either have people that are exactly like me. Right. And mm. had already read the letter and are basically just liking it as a way to, like, high five. Or they're just, I have friends, people that I know that are unfollowing me, unfriended me, are just over it, and they can't even see that. So mm. I, I'm having a hard time finding the middle place where it's like, okay, we can dance in this hard dance together, but come out on the other side. It feels like we have taken up camp on either side and it's yeah. just spiraling out of control and I, I, I that's the part that it's like how do that's we progress that's why you gotta coax people to your house with cookies beverages yeah. well but, but then when they, but then he has a hard dance when they get there and it's yeah. just very uncomfortable yeah. what, what was yeah. that a metaphor I've never heard a about dance. dancing this hard dance with me <laughs> you, like, know, you know what it no is idea. Cameron yeah. I can explain it for you <laughs> if Eddie hadn't thought through the metaphor I, I just, have while you were talking I kind of lost me for a few there but what I was thinking about when you said the hard dance metaphor it's flash dance style at an old abandoned warehouse on the edge of town. You just got to dance it out. That's okay. what he's talking yeah. about. Well, so, so you're saying it's is it yourself? like well, hold on, is it like a step up to the streets thing where we're going to battle dance the it, hard it dance? It leads to a dance off, but it can a hard dance can be done alone. Like I said, yeah. you're in this stuffy town so where no one likes this dancing and all. Okay, and you just head out to the warehouse and just sweat it out for a while. So you're saying politics yeah. is like flash dance? I'm saying so. The, so if politics is normally like flash dance, the situation we're in now is more like break into electric boogaloo or stepping up to the streets Step up to yeah. the yeah. where you have like you are battle dancing. Yeah. I think yeah. that we together have minimalized this to a slightly offensive place. Okay. And that's what we're best at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Show, <laughs> show goals accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Just minimalize the whole problem with refugees. Hey, you're the it. one who said it's no, a no, hard no, dance. I, mean, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to be with you. I'm I, a part of this. I, I wanted to understand. I want to track yeah. with you, yeah. man. I, I pitched it and we all just lobbed it. No, no, no. But no. Eddie, to be I fair, we're, you know, not to diminish it, but still, <laughs> I, yeah, the, the whole the whole thing is there. There's a, a degree of polarization and vitriol that is happening when it comes to any issue that has political implications, even if the issue is not overtly political. Like, you know, the reset the resettlement of refugees is it, it shouldn't be political. Like I said, it can have political implications, but ultimately, it's a human issue, right? And so, like, I do feel like we have to be able to separate just the, the the separate where issues happen to align among sometimes completely arbitrary party lines like when it comes down to like republican yeah. and democrat values or liberal and conservative and just say okay what does the bible say about it and how can i form an opinion based on that and if people disagree with me let's have a dialogue that doesn't you know, get down to like making my argument with a meme or something or calling yeah. a name because it's just not productive. It's not helping anyone. Like you're not going to change anyone's mind by posting an image with three words of white text on it that completely uh, minimalizes the other person's opinion. Like let's just have adult conversations and be willing to disagree if we have to. Yeah. Yet even this conversation will be liked by those that already agreed with us. And it's like, I, I don't know how the needle is moved at this point. I think the biggest thing in our conversation we had, I think the biggest thing that I walked away with, it, with under learning from people I don't agree with, was if you don't know why, you can ask why. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest component missing. It's like, if I don't understand why someone believes that, then I just want a genuine why. And some people couldn't articulate that because they hadn't, hadn't had the opportunity to 
communicate that before. And, and Eddie, I want to counter that to a degree. It's not that I disagree with you, but I, I do think that you can, you, you can have progress and you do that through understanding truth and understanding facts. And I hope that, you know, the interview that we have later with people who have been working in refugee resettlement for mm-hmm. decades that tell, you know, we're going to hear stories of what these people people are like, what the situation they find themselves are in now. And then also just look at stats and, and, and factual statistics involving refugee, in this case, refugee resettlement. And you see that, you know, no American has been killed by a refugee in the last 30 years. That, um, you know, most of these cases are family reunification cases where people are coming uh, from these countries and they're being reunited with uh, family members that are already here in the United States. You start breaking down some of the facts, and I think that's how, if you're going to change people's opinion, that's how you do it. You present truth and facts, and if someone doesn't change their mind, they don't change their mind, but at least be willing to understand the reality of the situation. Talk to people that are intimately familiar with it, that don't have a political stake in it, and then you know form your opinion based on that. Like I do think there's hope. I do think we can you know, yeah. move past this if everyone's willing to put political labels aside and actually look at the reality of the situation that's going on based on real stories and real facts. I, like, I, I, I actually share Jesse's optimism in the sense that, you know, what changes hearts and minds is like your eyes being open to see things differently than you would have otherwise. And I think in the media, we have the opportunity to, to spark dialogue or spark uh, understanding that maybe wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. otherwise. And I think we have to be very careful that we never lose the trust of our readers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that we, that they feel understood and heard no matter what their context and perspective is, but then we can also challenge status quo and we can challenge ourselves and mm-hmm. we can challenge like Jesse's saying, like we aren't experts in this issue. So let's bring on people who are intimately involved and have mm-hmm. zero political leanings because um, you know, they've worked uh, across many, many admi- ad- administrations, the world it, relief. It, 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 these, these people we're having out today have worked across eight presidential right. administrations. So, they, wow. so there's Oof. no, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is unbiased. Like, this is who we should hear from, right? Nobody, yeah. they don't have an agenda other than people. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, and to take, sometimes take political issues or issues that people are, are up in arms about or believe in strongly and they may be national issues, they may be global issues, social justice issues, whatever, and hold it up against scripture. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I think that's an opportunity that we have at Relevant. And, you know, like to me, the biggest thing in all this, the the contentiousness that's happening right now is is the words in in Mark, um, that the greatest commandment is to love your neighbors yourself. Mm -hmm. And to me as a Christian, no matter what I believe politically or for my country or for my government, for, you know, policies for my city, you know, I have to filter it through the greatest commandment that Jesus challenges us with and, and to love our neighbor as ourself and to that, this isn't about me. It's about, about my neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as well. And so, you know, do I stand for things that would actually bring harm to those I'm commanded to love? I, I agree with all of that. And I'm not at all trying to like say, say that I do disagree but the part that continues to like make me not feel hopeful is not what relevant is doing or even the churches that are kind of realizing like, Oh, time to, time to be the church time to lead. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, uh, somebody tweeted, uh, uh, you know, the other day, uh, maybe as prop or somebody like if your pastor is a Saturday night, if you're, if tomorrow morning, Jamie Torkowski, if, if tomorrow morning, <laughs> your pastor doesn't talk about refugees, you might be in the wrong church, you know, that right. kind of a thing. And, 
I was so hopeful because some of the most influential churches that are out there, I mm-hmm. saw online Carl Lentz at Hillsong, New York yeah. on Sunday morning, spent several minutes like challenging his church about this issue and that this isn't a political issue. This is a Jesus issue mm-hmm. and a human a issue. issue. And, and, and that clip went viral. And like, that's how the church needs to lead here. I was like, yeah. that we have an opportunity as a church to actually engage this. You're right. Many churches aren't, but I'm hopeful that some are. You know, I, I feel like I'm Kevin Bacon sweating profusely right now in one of those yeah. weird <laughs> uh, sweatshirts with the cleave, <laughs> sleeves cut off, but also that yeah. shows a little bit of my midriff. That's kind of weird. I don't know why yeah. I wore that. Um, but that's how I feel. You know, just been. No. Dang, uh, except I'm John Lithgow still yeah. in the corner saying, you can't dance. <laughs> Not in this town, buddy. You can't dance. But Not you might be this. tapping your toe every now yeah. and again. Oh, I'm, I'm getting ready to dance, <laughs> yeah. but it, I'm going to yeah. have to really make some changes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the crop top that you need. It is. That Jesse has that you don't. Well, the only solution is to toss you a cutoff Lord's Gym sweatshirt and let you get on board this boat. <laughs> the Lord's Gym. You know, no, that, that Lord's Gym, that implies scripture, and then he has to unfriend family members. So I don't... Unfriend I, yeah, everybody. We have no solution. But it, show, yeah. it shows quite a bit of midriff. I cut this one real high. <laughs> I mean, this barely, this is barely just a net covering. (laughs) A collar. All right, well, moving the show along, it's time to look back at what else happened this week in cultural entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Well, kind of along the same lines, in case you missed it, uh, Stranger Things' uh, David Harbour gave an impassioned acceptance speech about the disenfranchised and the marginalized on behalf of the cast during last week's Screen Actors Guild I didn't Guild realize that, that guy was also the policeman in it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I only saw one episode. Way too scary. Way too scary. Ugh, it is very it. scary. Yeah, I don't like I watched it all the way through. Eddie, who did you think he was when he was up there talking? Just some chaperone? No, no, no. But like <laughs> that guy, the, I the didn't creator? realize. I thought he was just an actor, but he's he, the creator. I thought he was an actor too. He's. I think he's both. I believe he's like the I guy. I think he's just the adult actor who was fine speaking. Oh, I thought he yeah. was also like a director or creator or something. I don't. Because it seems like he was talking like the producer of the whole thing. Oh, I don't. It, it did seem like that, but I th- I thought it was just he was an actor. Yeah, I, I think, think he's, he's like, just I'm, like I'm the adult. Really the Nobody cast, really yeah. saw his face because of <laughs> Winona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, what was going on? Oh, I thought what? that's where you were going. No. Oh, no. What? We're going to play part of his speech. I have a clip of it. That's I mean, so like it's oh. just an amazing speech. Whatever. It Winona Ryder owned I'm not even sure how to explain yeah, what was to the listeners who didn't see it. What, what was she Winona just doing? made wildly random facial gestures throughout that varied Unconnected. from like, right yeah, yeah. from laughing <laughs> to like confused to looking around to lost. It was like, just, like she was like, she was literally hallucinating. Yeah. Like the, the, the best I saw it described was a rainbow of emotions. It was a, <laughs> and just like she was like pretty adamantly dis. like she looked like she was like, Oh sure. Like that's, yeah. that's true. Like yeah. whatever, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Like I look when Eddie's talking, my <laughs> friend Kevin Max of DC talk posted. It was a screenshot of every one of her different looks. <laughs> and it was like 24 little squares. You're like, that was a lot of emotion. A lot of emotion. In just a few moments. By the way, that guy is just an actor. He's not the creator of the show. By the way, Kevin Max is more than just a singer. He's also an incredible person. (laughs) And and poet. (laughs) Yeah. And friend. Personal friend. All right, here's part of his speech. Literally could text him. As we act in the continuing narrative of Stranger Things, we 1983 Midwesters will repel bullies. We will shelter freaks and outcasts, those who have no homes. We will get past the lies. We will hunt monsters. 
And when we are at a loss amidst the hypocrisy and the casual violence of certain individuals and institutions, we will, as per Chief Jim Hopper, punch some people in the face when they seek to destroy the meek and the disenfranchised and the marginalized. And we will do it all with soul, with heart, and with joy. We thank you for this responsibility. Thank you. A lot of, a lot of emotion. Uh, you should have seen our faces. faces. We're doing Winona's at that point. When we were <laughs> right, right. Doing the Winona. I, I saw I saw that little clip go around where you know they just zoomed in on Winona and it just <laughs> said, "I want to be on whatever Winona's on." And it was just like, "Man, that is she's having a ball right there." Yeah, she really yeah. owned that moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, in case you missed it, uh, this week Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy, uh, <laughs> met with pastors to understand how churches find deeper meaning in a changing world. The meeting was part of his year of travel quote. Love unquote, it. and uh, happened, which is he's doing, he's listening, he's doing the thing that yeah, we're saying exactly. to do. I'm so happy. Uh, and he happened, and it happened during a trip to Texas where he also met with young moms who moved back to their hometowns because they want their kids to be raised with the same values they grew up with. In a Facebook post, Zuckerberg discussed the meeting with Christian pastors. He posted, uh, met with ministers in Waco who are helping their congregations find deeper meaning in a changing world. This trip has helped me understand just how important community is and how we're all looking for something we can trust. Mm. We may come from different backgrounds, but we can all want to find purpose and authenticity in something bigger than ourselves. Along with being a tech innovator, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has also become a leading humanitarian, promising to give away almost his entire fortune in an attempt to eliminate all disease in the next century. Literally all disease. He said in his daughter's lifetime. Wow. Uh, he also seems increasingly <laughs> open to faith and religion. He used to be an atheist, um, but recently he met with the Pope to discuss how technology can help the world's poor. Love that guy. And also, as we recently reported, revealed that he is no longer that atheist, mm. uh, saying religion is, quote, very important. So he's on that slippery slope toward faith, y'all. I, I, I was talking to somebody <laughs> the other day how there's probably no one on earth whose time is more valuable than Mark Zuckerberg, like quantifiably. Right. Like an hour of Mark Zuckerberg's time is worth. I mean, you could put the numbers to it in his net worth and, you know, what he puts into Facebook that he chose to spend some of that time hanging out with Christian pastors just to kind of understand their worldview. I do think is a really cool and interesting thing. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Well, in case you missed it, our old friend Nicolas Cage mm. this week <laughs> showed up at a Nicolas Cage movie marathon. I'm, I'm a little I, offended by what? this one, by the way. Yeah, yeah. attendees of the Alamo Draft, Draft House's annual five-movie Nick Cage marathon. Five-movie. Five movie. sauce, man. That yeah, we were just got, getting started. They got movies. a surprise over the weekend when the man himself walked in the door. Uh, so Nicolas Cage actually even chose the movies that were shown. They are Bangkok Dangerous, mm. Joe, Bringing Out the Dead, Army of One, and The Lord of War, all of which were too good to be shown at our <laughs> Trapped in the Cage 24-hour challenge that Jesse and I endured earlier. So, so do you think he kind of gets the joke, or do you think he thought no, he of watched, it was like... I don't know. I think movies. he's literally insane. Like this is a tribute <laughs> moment? Uh, at one point, uh, Cage even took the stage to do a 10-minute reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart Whoa. with little explanation. And then later, a Whoa. viewer proposed to his girlfriend on stage while Nicolas Cage stood behind him approving. Wow. Yeah, he we, literally, like, weird. I saw a picture of this. The guy's proposing to his girlfriend. 
Nicholas Cage is basically standing between them, right? He is standing right where he is putting the ring on his finger, and he's looking at everyone, and he's doing the praying hand signal right under his chin with his eyes closed. Either way, I love it. I'm offended he didn't come to trap in the cage. So, you know, you I know think he, he can knows rectify this by coming up to whatever challenge we propose <laughs> next so. year. As sort Absolutely. Of a he knows about it. I don't know that he knows how to use the internet. There was enough, somebody <laughs> around him, there was enough social media chatter that somebody around him had to have said, this wait, no, wait, no, 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 here, I like Cameron's theory here. No, yeah. I, the, so, so the 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 previous year when we did the Nickelback challenge, that thing was simmering for a week. Yeah, and mentions would build, and awareness was building. This thing, we didn't do a good job promoting it. It just happened. Twenty four hours later, it's over. It was a blip. I, you know, this Alamo Draft House. He's living in Texas, probably. Mm-hmm. They probably were marketing this thing. He probably came. I don't think he heard about our little stunt that raised thirty one thousand dollars for charity. Why? Well, 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 hold on. I would have propose one other theory real quick yeah. Yeah, one yeah, other theory yeah that alamo draft house didn't wasn't marketing to him he didn't you know they weren't trying to get him he literally just showed up there one night to go see a movie and walked into a nicholas cage movie marathon or or it was just movie night at the alamo draft house he made them play five Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> like he just said, play Bangkok dangerous. And then that ended. And he's like, play Joe. And like, yeah. he just kept like, it just happened to be a Nicolas Cage movie marathon. Yeah. yeah. That's more likely. Um, in case you missed it this week, uh, three humble beast artists, uh, show Baraka, Jackie Hill Perry, and our friend propaganda released a short film about pro-life issues in the film they sit in the backseat of a car poetically discussing thoughts on personhood the abortion debate in america race and the theology of life and then at the end of the video it's revealed it's like a m night Shyamalan moment it's revealed (laughs) that the car has no driver uh, as show Brock explained, he says, uh, this video and the project Whoa. I think has a very subtle, but powerful statement from the car. Where are we going? Why are we in a car? And where is this car taking us? Here's a clip from the video. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my misogyny, for my patriarchy, for my privilege. I would apologize for all men, but it wouldn't be sincere. For centuries, we vacillated from tyrants to juveniles, benefiting off of systems that didn't consider you or your voice. And to think, like me as a black man, I should have caught this right. Like I know what it's like for legislation to feel like it's more oppressive than it is liberating. Like we both know what it's like to be a social experiment, to be a non-essential variable in the thesis of Margaret Sanger and eugenics. Like Sanger had a plan, and it seems to be the same plan as the justice system is to get rid of them before or after. But I see more clearly now, and I want to change the narrative. I was passive and silent while they killed our children. I let pundits and popular culture tell me what to think. But now when I fight for life, it will be a comprehensive, compassionate continuum of care. I love you and I love that child. And I am here for the day we will no longer have to debate the question, what is a person? What is a person? There you go. I like like artists that are thoughtfully furthering the conversation Mm -hmm. and deepening the conversation outside of just their music. You know, Mm -hmm. I hate to be a little too on the nose, but the brilliance who we have on today are one of those artists. Yeah, Yeah. they are. I mean, their new album. Yeah. It's just, and they have been for a long time. You know what? And they're going to, they're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to hear some of that brilliance. Yeah, exactly. When they're talking. They're both, probably both. one of my favorite bands of the last really? two or three years. It yeah. is an incredible album. It's, 
unbelievable. I know. And they, but they came here like a year or so ago and they played in our studio. They were like, we didn't have our normal setup. And so they played over there in that mm-hmm. corner and there was like 20 of them. And it was the most, they were like almost, they were like touching each other. They were crammed in so tight. And it was one of the most incredible music experiences we've had in here. You know, what's so telling about their music is that you can, there's a instrumental versions of a lot of it that you can listen to. And it's, it's like overwhelming. Just the music is so beautiful. And so like a John Williams score. Well, but it is. And it's so well constructed and it just, but then the lyrics destroy You can like, but you can read the lyrics. Mm Mm-hmm independently but when it's together I don't, i'm not i'm not articulating this well it's just like a really overwhelming experience I'm eddie Koffel's our new music reviewer here yeah. Relevant. yeah like words are so nuts the like music is so nuts words. okay well, like, let me back it up because when you hear the music well the, the lyrics well, 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 let's start with their name <laughs> see their the brilliance are brilliant, brilliant. It's, brilliant. i love it it's all like music and words are so like different and good <laughs> and their name is like an adjective for what they're like. There are so many different kinds of music. <laughs> it's like different <laughs> like music is. It sounds... Webster's yeah. Dictionary defines music as... <laughs> music and words. But you know, it's I read like, somewhere that sound, which makes up music, is actually some kind of vibration. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm getting that wrong. I'm getting that wrong. It's not vibration. I don't know what it is. And scientists don't even know what's Check happening. Check out the next issue of Relevant for my full article on the brilliance. It's five it starts out by defining the vibrations of sound. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just... Webster's what? Dictionary defines you know vibration what? <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what always baffled my mind was when I burned CDs. Why is my computer so loud? What's it doing in there? What is it doing? I don't know. So I'm trying to crack this nut, guys. I broke a laptop opening it up mid burn to see. Why do they call it? I don't. The sounds. So what's an echo? Why does that happen? That'll do it, Frank. Case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to Sampha. The song is Blood on Me. I'm declaring it right now. This album just came out. This will be the year that Sampha becomes a breakout star, right? Just trust me on that one. If you don't know who he is, S A M P H A, go check it out. Alt RB ish piano driven wonderfulness. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard VHS collection with the song Ghost. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Okay, this one I'm doing just mainly because I felt like the headline made me laugh. This is a headline from Fortune magazine, like a biz, like a respected business magazine. Americans are eating so much bacon that the reserves are at a 50-year low. Two things are notable uh, about this on, headline. Yes. 
One, <laughs> Americans are eating a lot. I think it's just comfort food. I think people yeah. need bacon right now. I think they're right. they're, they're, they're stressed <laughs> out. Bacon is an but, obvious example. Two, right. America has bacon reserves. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, very like lean. in my mind, there is yeah. like somewhere like inside Yucca Mountain where they you know like hidden away is a giant is one of those pans at the buff at the hotel buffet that's like that silver <laughs> thing where they yeah. put all the bacon and it's one but it's like as tall as a skyscraper and the military just has like tongs that they use no. if they need to tap <laughs> into the bacon reserves. Right. It's like behind the head of George Washington and Mount Rushmore and you like have to open up this big safe and you get in there. It's like buried underneath the ground I, in Omaha or I something. I think we found our next Nicolas Cage movie. Right. Where's the bacon reserves? <laughs> yeah. The bacon reserve. Hey, so, yeah. But, but we agree that it looks like one of those pans at the uh, at the hotel buffet, right? Sure. right. I mean, what else do they store it? Right. The that's called FDI, a- FDA says like, you may go in. You go get a chafing, uh, it's like retina crates. scans and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a massive chafing dish is what you're looking for. Uh. Chafing dish. That's what those uh, were. Chafing. The, the other part about this is, <laughs> this This is the second sentence of, the, of this piece. The nonprofit Ohio Pork Council has said that demand for frozen pork belly, often made into bacon, has far outpaced supply. There is a nonprofit group that oversees this called the Ohio Pork Council. Okay, one, it's a nonprofit, so someone's supporting them. Two, is it is it but literally a bunch of guys in a boardroom right now? They're all dressed in suits, and I, I project, you know, I'm picturing like two dozen guys in suits and women sitting around a menacing, you know, table. And at the end, there's a guy, and he just got a big chart in and it's the pork reserves, and he's informing everyone that's low. Who is this mysterious nonprofit that's keeping taps on our bacon reserves? You know, <laughs> and why are the they Illuminati. alarming us by telling us? Isn't their job mm-hmm. to just keep the public panic at a low? I don't want to know that the bacon reserves are low. And why does everybody <laughs> on the board die at fifty-five? Why do they have to keep cycling through board members? Their hearts are just exploding. Hey, can you read the statement that they said though? Yeah. Um, Today's pig farmers are setting historic records by producing more pigs than ever, yet our reserves are still depleting. It seriously sounds like a military statement. The reserves are depleting. <laughs> this is a this is a, the story no one's talking about here. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just very concerning to me Hard that hitting. one, I didn't even know we had bacon reserves until today. But two, I wish I hadn't known that because all I know that uh, the only context me knowing that is that they're getting low. That just stresses me out even more. Thanks a lot, Ohio Pork Council. I'm, I'm no longer donating to your nonprofit. <laughs> I believe this is a uh, modern day, you know, it's like that the, the story from the Bible about the seven years of feast, seven years of famine. Mm. Got to store up the grain in the silos. <laughs> we got we to gotta fill up these bacon reserves because we don't know what's going to happen, mm. you know, moving forward. So you're forward, saying in America, you know? our version is bacon reserves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think there's somewhere like in some major city in the U.S., like a giant skyscraper. That's just one of those buildings that no one knows what's in there. Yeah. And it's all a facade. Like, yeah. if you were to walk in the it's door, it's just piled with bacon. <laughs> yeah, it's a bacon silo. Yep. It's been hiding, it's been hiding, our reserves are hiding in plain sight. I you mean, gotta get on that board, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to get like on the Ohio Pork Council. And why does like Ohio get it? Why are they the ones well, in charge? That, well, they, at least we narrowed it down. At least we know roughly where these reserves are. But that's, but that's exactly why they named it that, because they're gonna say, yeah, oh, you're throwing you off the trail. Look around Ohio, but really, yeah, yeah. really, little yeah. do you know in Albuquerque. They need Utah once a year. Yeah. And nobody talks about why. Right. It's right. Bilderberg. This is the Illuminati. This is the New World Order. Is this is who this is? They're controlling the world's world's bacon reserves, and they, they feel that it's got such a terrible place that they will they are quote depleting. That's concerning to me. 
Jesse, just think about the possibilities here. At some point, you know, think about college kid, they just justice issue, they feel called to, to missions or justice, they start their own nonprofit. Right. You could start a nonprofit called the Virginia Port Council. And and nobody could stop you. And you could issue statements, you could start your own reserve. You could you could become an authority in the pork industry by starting your own nonprofit port council. You could register because as a somebody non- started that one. So somebody did, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it didn't come no out problem. of nowhere and obviously it's not a government they agencies. have access to the reserves. Here's my question. Why do they get access and I don't? If right. I have a nonprofit, right. I get, do I get right. access to the reserves? That's what I'm saying. That's Maybe they saying. make their own reserves. Maybe the thing is you got to just start shopping at Costco, buying up the bacon and storing it away underground. Sticking in an abandoned building downtown, that burnt out warehouse yeah. would be a good place to start. Yep. And say, yeah, it's it. like, like a month into my nonprofit, I'm like, I did not even consider refrigeration. I have a, a massive well, amount maybe of Maybe that's why they're I, depleted. I've depleted the reserves even further by just wasting it, spoiling somewhere. Or it's like a really hot warehouse and and it just is literally sizzling like i've just cooked it all. Out. can you imagine how good that city would smell though yeah exactly if it's like a big greenhouse or hey imagine this imagine if the silo caught on fire people would come running toward the fire not away exactly from it. i mean yeah. the, the sad thing is our reserves would be gone but everyone would be at least satisfied for like a day yeah uh, what do you have chelsea uh, I decided to bring a positive beat for us this week from the internet. Uh, what wasn't a, positive about bacon? Oh, bacon was super positive. Well, just it's meant, positive, like, but it's negative because our reserves are depleted. Right, the, the, Were you not listening? The reserves are depleted. We're DEFCON 4 with the bacon supply, <laughs> dude. Je- Jesse's, not, Jesse's not worried about certain issues, but this is the one this of the ones a, that keeps him up at night. Yeah. Uh, no, positive <laughs> in light of everything happening. There's a lot of uh, things being stirred and conjured up on the internet, just right. politically. So I decided to go deep in the depths of Twitter and find something nice happening in the world. I like it. Puppies. Uh, yes. Uh, writer Ashley C. Ford has been making waves this week for something she tweeted a little over a month ago. On December 6th, she took to Twitter to address the thousands of school children who are unable to pay for their substitute meals that they receive at their cafeterias. She tweeted, um, a cool thing you can do today is to try and find out which of your local schools have kids with overdue lunch accounts to pay them off. Um, And according to the Associated Press, within the little over a month that she tweeted that, she has inspired hundreds of people to raise thousands of dollars to pay off lunch debt for these schools uh, that literally pay for kids to receive meals. A online campaign raised over $100,000 to pay off lunch debt in Minneapolis. It also paid off $28,000 for a school in St. Paul, Indiana, Efforts in Topeka, Kansas, paid off. St. Paul, six, Indiana. Yeah. Oh, interesting. The big, big, big town of St. Paul, big, Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I'm twenty eight thousand dollars in a tiny town. That's yeah. a really that's big a deal. lot of school lunches too. Yeah, it's a lot of school lunches. Keeps going, folks. Topeka, Kansas, paid off six thousand dollars, and Bellevue, Washington, erased. $2,000 of unpaid lunch debt. That's a great idea. Isn't that wonderful? That is, so just, that's something I would have never thought of either. You just call the local school board or so schools? What she suggested, because uh, I, someone tweeted at her, well, how do we know that the school wouldn't just you know keep the money for some other project and then continue to pay the parents uh, to pay for the school debt? Yeah. Um, so she said to contact the school board and you can make sure that your money is being allocated appropriately and... I thought that was what she doesn't have too many people following her for a writer. I think she has maybe 50,000 people and she's inspired almost over $2,100 to be paid for. For these kids, two thousand hundred dollars. I'm so sorry. I was looking. I was, 
Uh, looking at six to $2,000 bills got She paid over to... 3 million hundred pennies in. Uh, what? <laughs> she, track with me, guys. She, she inspired people to pay almost $200,000 in school lunch debt. Which there is you go. Awesome. It breaks my heart to think of a kid not being able to have lunch yeah. or to go through a lunch line and like. Yeah. Oh. She, her thing was she was never ashamed of her brown bagged lunch because she never had one. So oh. she wanted to kind of awaken people who follow her to the reality that a lot of these kids rely on their schools to give them lunch lunches and a lot of them don't get to eat at home. So some of them will bring these lunches home with them to feed their families. I was at, at the church I used to work at. We were all having a conversation one time about like doing this backpack drive and you know, we're all like ethereal and we've all read like when helping hurts and we're like, is it really helpful <laughs> to do a backpack drive? And, sure. blah, blah, blah. and one of the employees very quietly said like, I didn't have a backpack when I grew up and it was like the whole perspective changes in the moment. Cause you're like, Oh, sometimes you just, it doesn't, backpack. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just buy a kid a yeah. lunch, give a hundred yeah. bucks. Right. Just do it. Like it doesn't matter yeah. if like we should changing systems. I made this a not funny fun slice. Didn't I? It was no, really I think rough. it's important. A lot <laughs> of people brought that to her attention as well. Saying like, well, shouldn't it be the parents responsibility? Yeah, yeah, and it was like, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, a sometimes child isn't yeah, getting the food. Kid needs lunch. Buy him lunch. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Although and I'll say it's a hard lesson to learn as a kid buying lunch because you all of a sudden you think when you're growing up, pizza goes with fries and chocolate milk, huh? That's a <laughs> that's a thing I'm supposed to eat. And then it's a hard lesson. You realize, don't you dare order that in a restaurant. They look at you. <laughs> that's the lesson here. I was, I yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you had a good takeaway here, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that chocolate milk and pizza and fries don't go together as an adult. Or, don't order or else they'll look at you in a restaurant. Yeah, and yeah. the waiter will say to you, no problem. Yeah. You know. yeah, you order it. He says no problem. It's no a, exactly. It's a problem. No problem. <laughs> Just give me the fries and problem. pizza, dude. I didn't ask for your judgment. And a chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> and don't be so judgy when you come back. It's good enough for me when I lived in St. Paul, Indiana. It's good enough for me right now. Uh, and, and I want to side to bacon, sir. The reserves the reserves have been depleted. Somebody gave me two thousand hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you have, Eddie? <laughs> My <laughs> two thousand hundred is what I said. Two thousand hundred dollars. Yeah. It's hard to do math. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you don't go to college. <laughs> it's hard to read zeros in order. Uh, so mine is basically just, a, there was a new study that was done that I basically brought this because I makes me feel better about myself. It was in the cognitive it was a study the journal called Cognitive Processing. Think about that. Oh, I get it. Every week it is really good. Yeah, it's full of think pieces. No, I'm just kidding. I've never heard. Full of think pieces. Um, oh, no. Dad joke. Did you read the latest think piece? in cognitive process. <laughs> 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 it was about the pork depletion, but man, 5,000 words. It was yeah, 200,000 support. Okay. Um, <laughs> it had 2,100 2, words. In that <laughs> there was a study that was done and I could read you all the boring stats about why it was a statistically significant study, but it was, it was a pretty big study that was done about the relationship between people appreciating like weird, dark humor mm -hmm. and, uh, and their mood and a Aggression and intelligence. Previously, it's been thought that people that were uh, a little bit more agitated, a little bit more aggravated, more depressed, enjoy like kind of bleak, strange humor more. Yeah. What would that be? What would, what would be an example of bleak, strange humor? I, I'm trying to. I Jesse, like I hope you'd like, help me with like this. Weird Al. 
No, 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 no. no, no. I, I would think it would be like more like oh, always kidding. sunny or something, oh, where okay. they're making like, like sadistic. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's messed up. That's right. Messed yeah. Up. yeah, right. Yeah. Or like well, my, yeah, Jesse yeah, and like, I both like, have this. Like, if we watch a comedian, like if we're watching somebody absolutely bomb on stage and it's going <laughs> poorly and people are booing, there's two guys laughing in the room and it's me and Jesse. <laughs> or, or, yeah, it's like it's like when it's those moments on The Office where Michael yes. it like does something so awkward that like no. it's like so funny it's like darkly mm. funny. It. like it's Mute not it. overtly funny. and it's, it's like, like uncomfortable and awful so yeah. really dark yeah. awful humor Tignataro yeah. is a borderline example of that very good borderline yeah. example yeah. of that yes so um anyhow it showed the study showed that actually there is a correlation a pretty strong correlation between intelligence and dark humor and they're saying the people that enjoy that kind of humor 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 <laughs> the, uh, d- mm-hmm. in, enjoy that kind of humor actually pronounce it humor for some <laughs> people it's a fascinating <laughs> study. I mean, that's all they glean. But, uh, so do they said that people that you know, enjoy this is a typo. That, they actually didn't learn anything. I don't know why I got to move on. People that enjoy People that enjoy that type of humor have higher intelligence, typically have better moods and lower aggression. Huh. And they were saying that the people that really just hate that kind of humor and can't stand it are typically more aggressive. And you know, you understand it's the opposite of it. So I Dude, think, are you just reading this? Cause you're like, Oh look, I'm awesome. And everybody else doesn't, they're not on my level. I was going to say, yes. I feel like I'm <laughs> counter to all of those things. No, I no, that's, yeah, and that's I feel I like I just it. have a messed up. I just yeah. find messed up things funny as like a nervous release. Almost. I'm just saying if you're one of the, the minority out there, and you always feel bad because you laugh at stuff you shouldn't laugh at. You're you're do- you're doing just fine. It's you're going to be okay. You have great mood, low aggression. Probably not my best slice. But you, know, <laughs> you do you do three years of show and you start to be disrespected because you show up a minute late and all of a sudden your head's not in the game. Here we are sitting here. Chandler's judging me. I'm throwing coffee all over his trailer. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Ravi Zacharias joins us. to Jenna Kyle. The song is Dust. For his latest book, A Jesus Among Secular Gods, theologian Ravi Zacharias teamed up with former University of Oxford professor Vince Vitale to look at how the teachings of Jesus are often in conflict with the different kinds of isms we see in an increasingly non-Christian society. We recently spoke with the duo about the book and why Jesus and the Christian worldview provide answers to life's biggest questions that all those other worldviews just can't. Here's part of our conversation with Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale. You know, the title of the book is You're Setting Jesus Against uh, Secular Gods, um, which, you know, in some ways is oxymoronic, right? Uh, 
the secular and gods. So right off the bat, I mean, what do you have in mind there? What are what are secular gods, and 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 how are they against Jesus? Uh, I'll be happy to answer that. I'll take the simple ones. The tough ones can go to this. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. Uh, well, okay. The, the thing is this, Aaron. It was built on a book that I had done years ago, Jesus Among Other Gods, where I was looking at the contradistinctions of the Christian faith uh, in relationship to other religious worldviews. And uh, the publisher had a great idea that there are so many other uh, worldviews that are equally uh, challenging to the Christian worldview or to all other religious worldviews. And uh, in the United in the West, particularly, uh, the ideas that have had consequences and the frame of reference uh, built ultimately on the philosophy of naturalism, uh, and it works out in different forms. So it was to show uh, what it is that we that the Christian finds as flawed uh, beliefs in those other worldviews and why they are incoherent, and what it is about the Judeo-Christian worldview that brings coherence and meaning in the very fundamental questions of life. So that's what uh, triggered the title, <clears throat> and if you look at the various isms that are dealt with, uh, while they may be seen as secularly based, they actually have a transcendent uh, force in the lives of people, uh, the way life is lived out. Hmm. Who, uh, who's the book for? Who's you, who are you writing for? We really like to have someone um, in mind um, as we write, and usually I would say for both Ravi and myself, you know, with each chapter we we have someone in mind, and so you know, a chapter on scientism is is for the person in our lives who we know who says, you know, I could never, I can never believe in God um, because science explains everything, and so we don't have a need uh, for God anymore. Or it's for the Christian who knows um, someone who says that sort of thing to them and finds mm. themselves unsure how to respond so I mean, really you know one of our prayers for the book is that christians would read it they would find it um helpful as a guide as they try to make an informed decision um, with all these different worldviews that are floating around and then would pass it on um to non-christian and, and seeker friends we really tried to have the seeker in mind and try to to treat them and their worldviews with respect um as we go um, through the book. You know, one of the lines we come back to frequently in the book um, a few times is, is criticism without alternative is empty. Um, and lots of times criticisms are made of Christianity, but nothing is suggested, no alternative is suggested to put it to put in its place. Um, you know, if you, if you say that I've made a bad choice of which phone to get, that's only a compelling criticism if you can show me an alternative phone that does better <laughs> with respect to what phones are, are supposed to do. And so what we try tried to do in this book is put the different worldviews um, side by side and say, look, there's some questions that all of us, just by nature of being a human being, need to answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ravi's developed uh, over uh, many years a fantastic framework of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. There are questions within each of those areas that every one of us needs to answer. Christianity offers answers to those questions. If you want to criticize those answers, that's okay, but don't do so without putting an alternative in its place. Let's put all the alternative side by side and try to carve out some space for people to make an informed and respectful decision about who or what they want to follow.
y'all deal separately with pluralism and relativism in the in the book at least um, I want to ask a question kind of about about both if I can kind of again capture a little bit of a mood you know we hear a lot today about like you know interfaith dialogue as as issues in the news become more prevalent surrounding things like you know refugees immigrants uh, you, you hear even more about you know Christian groups and Catholic groups and maybe even Muslim groups and, and atheist groups all kind of working together for these common things and just kind of as guys who've in this world from a in this space from a worldview level can you speak to how people should navigate those kinds of projects uh at what point do we slip into some kind of pluralism or relativism and at what point and you know and, and if so how far back do we need to be maintaining distinctions or at what point is that healthy and not healthy can you speak to that at all i think as christians we're in a unique position um, especially with so much that's going on at the moment culturally um, to try to model uh, disagreeing well I think so many people um, wind up sliding into categories of pluralism and relativism because they're afraid of truth um, it's interesting people keep telling us that this book is timely uh, interestingly we submitted the manuscript um, you know the final chapter of the book is called love the truth we submitted the manuscript and it was only after that that the economist wrote about us living in a post-truth society uh, and then Oxford English Dictionary made post-truth their word of the year <laughs> for 2016 so there's yeah. something culturally going on where um, we're afraid of truth and I think it's because one of the um, trajectories that people perceive is that if you disagree with someone that inevitably leads to you devaluing them and then from devaluing them to being intolerant of them from being intolerant uh, of them to being extremist towards them and then to being uh, violent and perhaps uh, then to terrorism down um, the end of the of the trajectory and so if that's the price you pay for holding on to an exclusive truth then you can imagine lots of people just saying well it's not worth it i'm just i'm going to be post-truth because i don't want to be intolerant i don't want to be extremist i don't want to be violent towards others i don't want to devalue others so you know the way to to cut that off is just not to deal with truth um, at all. You wind up in a really incoherent place. One of our colleagues uh, recently was at a university and one student said, I don't feel it's my place to disagree with anyone. And our colleague said, well, sure you do. And the student said, no, I don't. And our colleague said, well, you just did. Yeah. So you know, that's, that's how quickly, philosophically, some of these positions unravel. But if you see the consequences of holding to an exclusive truth as devaluing because of disagreeing and then ultimately to violence, extremism, narrow-minded intolerance and terrorism, well, then you might just think uh, it's not worth it. I think as Christians, we're in a really unique um, place here because what we have in Jesus is a model of disagreement that does not lead to devaluing. Jesus' very act of coming was an act of disagreement with us. It was an act of saying that our lives had disagreed so strongly with what he intended for them that he had to come in order to give his life and to save us. And yet that disagreement in no way led to devaluing and quite, in fact, the exact um, opposite. And so we find at the cross the greatest act of God's disagreement with us, but also the greatest act of God's love for us. And if that can be our model of holding both disagreement and love in perfect unity and not allowing disagreement to lead to devaluing, then I think as Christians we have a model that we can um, a model that we can pursue and that can change the cultural conversation. And uh, that's well said, Vince. Uh, I'll just put a tail end to that. Kelly Monroe Kohlberg in her book on uh, 
uh, research uh, finding God at Harvard, she made the comment. She said one Harvard student said that he is allowed to believe anything so long as he doesn't admit to be true. Mm. It's one thing to say, you know, believe there's any such thing as the truth because you cannot find it. But the moment you say neither can you, then you have moved to a strident, uh, solipsistic framework. I live in my own world of subjectivism and whatever my subjectivism tells me applies to you as well. So they take the subjective position, make it objective, end up a truth claim while they deny that they exist. But your question on how do we navigate through this, and I think that's what Vince worked hard at and our whole team does. How do you win an idea without losing the questioner? Mm-hmm. How do yeah. you, uh, you know, remember that there's a questioner behind every question, and that's what we really try to do of Christ in such a way so that the person wants to listen to what it is you're actually saying and maybe gently nudge them in the direction they never had thought they would ever go. That was Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale. Check out their new book, Jesus Among Secular Gods. It's out now. Mr. His greed is blind He'll lend his hand He won't think twice To let you come and die He seems so fine Soon you'll find That Mr. Hyde Is gonna try To make you realize Listening to The Wheels, the song is Mr. Hyde. On their latest album, All Is Not Lost, the duo of David Gunger and John Arndt continue to push the boundaries of traditional worship music, combining thought-provoking lyrics and faith, creation, and the nature of God with experimental sounds and unique arrangements that blow Eddie's mind. Because sometimes it's the words, but then the music, and when you put it together, that's what you got when you come with music. The vibrations <laughs> of the noise right. that they make with the words. Sounds. Sounds. It's, a, it's in the ears, right? right? I mean, this is totally an ear thing. Because somehow, like, I, mean, it I, don't even, I don't even understand the anatomy of it. Oh, man. I'm looking up that. We recently spoke with David Gunger about their new album and its many inspirations. Here is The Brilliance. How does being in New York and being a part of, you know, that energy there play into the creative process for you? We absolutely love it for so many reasons. A lot of the a lot of it is just every night and every day you're just um, there's so much creative energy to the city and so much um, I feel like uh, opportunity to play with a lot of different types of artists and it's kind of the New York City is kind of a large um, edge effect type place where you get um, people from all around the world and you know I've gotten to uh, play with amazing classical musicians amazing jazz musicians 
um, people that I would have never uh, played music with before, had connections to before. And just from being in the city and, uh, you know, being able to do the music that we do, it's been cool connecting with different um, artists like dancers, ballerinas, um, that type of thing. We just, uh, we love it. My wife and I absolutely love New York. Every day We go to war again We assume We know so much more than them Before we hear what they have to say well, you mentioned collaborating with different kinds of artists, and for people who haven't seen the the See the Love video, there's a it's a really stunning uh, you know music video, but it features prominently uh, ballerina. How did the idea for that uh, particular video come about? Well, we didn't. We actually tried to do a story video for See the Love, and then every time we did, it just felt so forced and unnatural. And so uh, for a song like that, um, we wanted to kind of just keep it simple and keep it a little bit more abstract. And for us, um, I actually connected with a photographer here in New York City uh, named Kenneth Edwards, and he films ballerinas. The first time we ever kind of played some music together, he was like, you know, I think this would be really cool to do uh, with some dancers. And he was connected with some uh, ballerinas here through uh, in New York and so we did a series of like videos on YouTube one of them was a cover of Yahe by Vampire Weekend and we had some dancers with us and we just absolutely had a great time you know did like takeaway show style uh, with them and then for this music video we were having a hard time like that story thing of like what do we want this to be and we wanted it to be uh, kind of an art piece and so that's where the idea of like hey let's use dancers again and so uh, a friend in LA um, actually was friends with that ballerina and so they filmed that and uh, yeah we, we were very happy with it learn to feel learn to begin again in our eyes again to see our brother's pain I hope they see it cause I wanna see it I hope we believe it one of the cool things about the album is the podcast that you guys are doing that's documenting the creative process. I used to be like a big fan of like liner notes when, you know, it, the thing was you actually buy like a physical album because <laughs> it was fun to, to kind of read yeah. little, little bits of like what went into songs. When you were putting together the podcast first, how did the idea for that come about? And then also, was there any hesitation kind of showing too much and being too vulnerable in terms of the creative process? You know, was there a tension there of showing too much, but still allowing the songs to speak for themselves? Um, that's a great question. I, we, John, okay, so John and I are both, both tortured souls. <laughs> and, and, and now we we were best friends growing up. And, you know, I think one of the hard things about, and it's hard is it maybe the wrong choice of word. One of the 
um, complex things about releasing music is anytime you release it, sometimes people will hear it. And the beautiful thing is they'll hear what they want to hear. Um, and for Christian music, uh, one of the things that we're not a huge fan of is usually it's very black and white in meaning. Yeah. Meaning like, this is truth. This is, so we need to be very clear about the message. We need to be very, people need to understand what is being said. And our music does not lend for that type of binary thinking. However, um, when we would show people the music or sometimes it would be spread around, it would take on a different meaning that was cool, but they would almost approach it through that binary lens of like, oh, so this must be what they're saying. Yeah. And even though the music uh, has room for interpretation, we wanted to be able to kind of share, like, here's where we're coming from in this. Um, and for for John and I, um, we both grew up um, evangelical, like Pentecostal, charismatic kids and we're both um <laughs> i work at a church john is like the farthest thing from working at a church <laughs> that you could possibly be and and the thing that has kept us together and made music is like our genuine like relationship and friendship and really like a brotherhood you know we're family yeah um and so in the midst of that being able to have different points of view and different tensions and and yet our views are very very similar however our language is very different often um we want to like show that this is how we this is the language that we use or when we talk about our music and this is the thought process behind it and so so much of that, you know, we are very inspired. John and I are both huge, avid podcast listeners. Yeah. Um, we love the medium. And so we um, we thought, we've seen people do, and we've done it before, where you do like, you know, a YouTube video, the story behind the song thing. Yeah. But often when you do that, it can feel... Just like a podcast could, but you can feel uh, limiting and formulaic in how you share that story, you know? And still the focus is usually on you. And so much of our music, we try not to be, we try to get out of the way of the art. And so there's something about podcasting, especially when you can add production and add different people who actually inspired your thoughts in writing. You can have them on and make them the star. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of, that's the thing that we love about it. And we have actually gotten, um, it's been such a fun way to tell the story and still be creative with the music and kind of have it take, uh, you know, the song itself has new life within that podcast form. Yeah. And so we've, we've loved doing that. And the guests that we've had on have been, have been awesome. Have been people that have inspired us and that we're dear friends with. So, peace on earth, peace on earth, to men. That was the brilliance. Make sure to check out their new album, All Is Not Lost. It gets the Eddie Koffold seal of approval. But like seriously, <laughs> it's really amazing. Okay, that's it. I don't. I don't help. I feel like I don't help the band. <laughs> I feel like I feel like actually I did a disservice to the brilliance. Eddie listens to Laudier. That's how he pronounces it. Well. <laughs> yeah. Laudier. The humor <laughs> is lost on most people. Yeah. <laughs> See the world.
You're listening to Sid Batham or Batham. I don't know. The song is Say the Word, but say the word correctly. Not not like I said his name. Right. Well, like we told you at the the start of the show, um, we wanted to bring kind of an extra segment this week to talk or learn from people who are really on the front lines of the refugee resettlement efforts in America and on the front lines around the world. World Relief is the humanitarian arm of the National Association of Evangelicals. I should disclose I'm on the board of directors for the NAE. Um, although I haven't had any direct interactions with World Relief, I just don't want people to think that you know there's sure. any. Yeah, this was. Uh, yeah, right. this was. No, I understand. Yeah. Jesse's on the Virginia Bacon Board. You're on the whatever board. <laughs> board of directors for the NAE. I'm yep. on the music, the music board. The music critique board of people of America. <laughs> of we all sounds get it. of just noise. World Relief <laughs> is the only Christian organization authorized by the State Department to resettle refugees as part of the United States's refugee resettlement program. However, a recent presidential executive order has had a dramatic impact on the group and the people they are dedicated to serving. So, we recently spoke with two of the organization's leaders, Christina Kleinpeter and Jenny Yang, about some of the misconceptions about refugees, the vetting process, the controversial executive order, and how you, our listeners, can help. Here are Christina Kleinpeter and Jenny Yang from World Relief. Now, for a, a lot of um, our readers and listeners, and, and probably a lot of Americans, haven't actually, you know, likely haven't met a lot of refugees personally, just because relatively small number uh, come to the country every year. For for you guys that that work with refugee families on a regular basis, can you tell me a little bit about what their response is like being able to come from America, especially because a lot of them have been fleeing such violence and persecution. You know, the refugees that come to the U.S. here are often traumatized. I mean, they've they've been fleeing war zones, often been fleeing persecution. In fact, for for a person to be considered a refugee, they they have to have proven their case that they've been fleeing persecution. So, um, when they come to the U.S., uh, they're typically really grateful, um, and at the same time, there's loss for them because they've had to flee their home and their culture and what they've known their whole life. So. Um, you know, we do work with them. Um, we offer trauma therapy and counseling. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like, they are looking for a safe, secure place often for their family to live. And so we do see a lot of gratefulness there um, to be in the U.S. For example, you know, I was just talking with our Atlanta office director over the weekend, and um, he mentioned how we've one of the first Syrians that we resettled was a 24-year-old man um, who had to come separate from his family because he was too old to be considered part of his family's case. So he has parents and siblings back in um, in Syria, and um, he came over several months ago, uh, was so grateful to the U.S. to be resettled here that he got a American Eagle tattooed on his back um, huh. and has been considering joining the Army wow. um, as a way to give back to the U.S. And, um, you know, he are, we connected with him recently and, and checked in with him before the executive order and he let us know that his family would be coming on February 8th. Um, and he was so excited to be able to see them. 
um, well, the executive order happened and now his family is no longer coming. So, you know, I think what that story shows is that one, like here's this young man who's so grateful to be in the U.S. and grateful for what our government was doing, um, grateful for world relief and, you know, our specific services uh, and how we've been able to help him out. Um, and then it really does show the executive order has a very tangible effect on so many lives um, and specifically people that are now separated from their family and relatives. I, I want to talk about the executive order a bit because I, I do feel like uh, with its, um, you know, signing, it's sort of I've seen a lot of misinformation from people who are maybe not totally informed about the current resettlement program. Uh, uh, first of all, you know, uh, there is these kind of like different terms that were thrown around that refugees could be quote-unquote like Trojan horses or somehow terrorists could be coming into the country. But I, I one of the facts that I read was that most of the people that come are part of family reunification and they're actually meeting their families back here in the United States. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so there's a lot of misconceptions around refugees specifically. I know, you know, the current rhetoric is linking refugees to being terrorists, which is um, not accurate. In fact, the U.S. is one of the most secure screening processes um, of all countries where it takes, um, you know, it's an average, I mean, it takes an average of like 18 to 24 months uh, for refugees to be vetted. Um, there's an 11-step U.S. security screening process that they go through before they're even able to come here. Um, and so if, you know, if there is a terrorist who wants to come to the U.S., it's very unlikely that they would come through the refugee program because refugees don't get to decide where they're resettled. Um, they are told which country to go to. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's very unlikely that if there was a terrorist who wanted to you know, cause destruction on the U.S. that they would come through that. And if they tried, they would be stopped. I know the executive order, particularly some of the details of it, uh, caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, how has it affected what your organization is doing uh, since it went into effect? Yeah, so, I mean, given that we resettle refugees and meet the refugees at the airport, um, we're their first point of contact here in the U.S., that has now stopped, um, and there's a 120-day ban on that. Um, so, unfortunately, we won't be welcoming new refugees to the U.S., um, but at the same time, you know, we we saw, um, we resettled a record number of refugees in the fall, and so we still have... Um, all of those new refugees that have come to the U.S. to help gain that self-sufficiency, you know, teach them English, um, get them settled here, and, and really self-sufficient. So um, while the executive order definitely affects our U.S. work and um, the new cases that we would have met at the airport and people we would have helped, um, we still have work to do uh, with those refugees that have come over um, and so need to continue our services um, as it relates to, to those people that are still here, you know, that have just arrived. 
I know that the um, future in terms of legislation is a bit uncertain at the moment, but a lot of our readers and I'm sure a lot of Americans and a lot of Christians want to do what they can to help refugee families on. I was wondering if you, you can kind of talk about what what can be done on two fronts. One is the political advocacy front uh, to try to sway future ref- uh, legislation to be favorable to refugees coming into the country. And two, in the meantime, no matter what happens, how can people help refugees that are currently here uh, in America? Yeah, so we really uh, are encouraging three um, things that people can do to help support refugees right now. One of those is advocate, and we have several um, several ways that people can advocate, and I'll let Jenny speak to that. Um, a second way is donating. So, you know, we continue to need to provide services to the refugees that are here. Like I said, we've resettled refugees in record numbers just this fall um, and need to continue that infrastructure, not only for the refugees that are already here, here, but then when the ban is lifted, we need to continue having that infrastructure in place to serve the new arrivals once the ban is lifted. So, uh, you know, either giving a monthly gift online or donating um, on our our um, worldrelief.org slash welcome page, um, which is specific to our U.S. refugee work. Um, and then the last way we're asking people to engage is just to follow us on social media, join the conversation, you know, help get the facts out there um, so that we can continue to combat that fear rhetoric uh, and the false notion that refugees are terrorists. Yeah, sure. So um, we actually joined uh, a petition with Welcome Refugees, which is a rescue campaign that we've been a part of for a couple of years now. And we released it at the end of last year, and we collected around 19,000 signatures on it. And we're continuing to ask people to uh, sign on to that petition, and we've been using that petition really as a rallying point for individuals who care about refugees and want us to remain a welcoming country. Um, we also have on worldbelief.org slash advocate the ability for individuals to actually contact their elected officials. And so we've been asking individuals to reach out to your two senators and your representatives and telling them that you want them to continue to allow the country to resettle refugees. And then the third thing we've been asking people to do is to actually reach out to the White House as well as the president through social media and basically saying that uh, through social media that we want to remain a welcoming country. And so those are the three avenues we're actually um, pushing people to use in order to uh, elevate their voice on some of these issues. That was World Relief's Christina Klein-Peter and Jenny Yang. Stay tuned. Up next, feedback. Listening to the XX. The song is Say Something Loving, which is how I start every meeting that I have. <laughs> okay, it's time for our feedback. Uh, before we do feedback, we usually do corrections and apologies. 
Um, we would I feel li- like we'll have some next week. We, we would like to uh, <laughs> correct the pronunciation of the word humor. It's not humor. It's humor. Uh, it's 200,000, not 2,100. Noted. Uh, lots of corrections. Just yeah. midstream just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I do not apologize to Ohio Baking Council. They are dropping the ball. They've <laughs> let the reserves get depleted, and no one knows why. Something shady is going on there, guys. Well, no, now the, the Virginia Baking Council is going to be started <laughs> as an alternative to the incompetent right. Ohio Baking Council, mm-hmm. and, and you're mm-hmm. going to set things straight. My it's first good. order of business is to launch an inquiry into what's going on. They're going to get phone calls. <laughs> Who are these Virginia Bacon Council guys, and why are they calling us? I mean, we we work directly with the pork industry. Who are these guys? <laughs> you, you're a watchdog group for the yeah, exactly, watchdog group. Exactly. How, how are you, now, I'm concerned about you know the nations entrusted you with our bacon reserves, and you've you know is out of control right. what's happening. Here. You are the overseers. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Yeah, you're putting the system on trial. Yeah. One day, one day, this story of me blowing the lid off this thing is going to be like an Oscar nominee. One man stood up to the <laughs> big man. and it's the like being in the boardroom. Who are bacon? these guys? And they're just munching on. They're eating the reserves. It's it's a. I got the whole scene okay, in my head. That it's movie. Climatic. Who would play you in that movie? Oh. Easily Kyle Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. If you said cast. anybody but Kyle Chandler, you would have been wrong. But I, I die in the end, of obviously, of heart failure from a celebratory <laughs> bacon bench. I just couldn't take it anymore. My heart and, and my last words are like this. I take one more bite of bacon because the reserves are now o- overflowing. I go... My heart is just too full. And then that's it. Last scene, fade to black. Oscar, give it to me. Tom Cruise <laughs> did the fake guy thing at the beginning of Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh, and he yeah. gained all this weight and was really gross and greasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Kyle Chandler would have to do to play the role as Jesse as head of the Port Council in the future. Yeah. yeah. Not, it's like Matthew McConaughey Jesse. and Gold, that new yeah, movie. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. So one. that's what Kyle Chandler would have to do. And that's why he dies at 55. Yeah. <laughs> I think we pretty much got the whole thing down. Let's yeah. green light it. <laughs> uh, okay, it's time for the question of the week. Last week, we asked you guys, uh, what would your dream evening be? Like, who are you with and what would you be doing? It was because I stumbled upon my dream evening that I didn't <laughs> even know that I had. Uh, my dream evening was fulfilled last week when I got to mingle with professional basketball players and play poker with them. And I was like, this is amazing. And we talked basketball and dunking and yelling at refs. And it was awesome. Um, And so we just got thinking, what would your dream evening be? Uh, You guys told us over on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here are a few of our favorites. April Pruitt uh, unnecessarily wrote her name in all caps, but did say <laughs> eating at IHOP with Jim Gaffigan after seeing him on stage. That oh. just feels really fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah it, feels, it feels like it could be disappointing because he may not be funny. Well, you know, here's the deal. He'd be just coming off stage, and so he'd be on depleted. He would be quiet, yeah. introverted. He, he, he would be a, a human version of America's bacon supply. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and and two, I think Jim Gaffigan would be the sort of guy who's not funny in real life. Like, yeah. I think he's stage funny, yeah. and in real life, he's probably more like Eddie. You know, right? It's not. It's not really that great. I'm pretty quiet. <laughs> Yeah, I don't mind. I'm pretty quiet. I'm not trying to impress you people. I've heard he's pretty humorous. Yeah. (laughs) Tons of humor. The thing thing is, is how do they get the piano on the record? That's the first, that's the first part of the magazine. Yeah. What's recording? 
Yeah, well, how, how does, does the how, microphone what, even how, work? Yeah, how does recording even work, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we got a whole thing it. to get to before we get to I why mean, the if, brilliance is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got to lay the context, lay the groundwork. Yeah, I mean, you really got to set the stage in this review. I mean, you're you're a good forty-seven pages in before you even mention the word brilliance. Uh, Kylie Daniel <clears throat> said, "All, all, uh, all they want is to play Mario Kart with Jimmy Fallon." Uh, Kylie said uh, that he let him one, win actually. a couple yeah. rounds. That would actually be super fun. I have a feeling Jimmy Fallon's always like that. Yeah, I have a feeling he'd be fun to hang out with. But don't you think, like, after a couple hours, you'd be kind of like, okay, I got to go now. You're like, oh, Jimmy. Like, oh, Jimmy, literally. Off and up a little. Yeah, I feel like there's, like, one one note with him. Yeah, one it, speed. It doesn't yeah. have to all be the greatest. Right. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Jimmy, tone it down a notch, man. I'm the... getting kind of tired, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you picture Jimmy Fallon getting up in his, like, in the morning, and his hair is, like, disheveled perfectly like it is every night, and he just, like, springs out of bed and just starts ranting about something funny and popular culture <laughs> I, yeah. I have to say that pc walker wrote a comment that when you get it when you read the comments you kind of get like a kind of a picture of the person right mm-hmm. but this one is the most like i, I can't even put you in a box pc right. my dream would probably be pc's at, come in a box big big boxes yeah well pc <laughs> and pc walker <laughs> yeah so uh, he said, well, my dream would probably be eddie i assume he's not talking about me he's probably eddie vetter but be eddie <laughs> adam duritz and I getting to be extras in an SNL sketch and hanging out at the after party. Okay. And then he said, one dream actually did happen to me, though. I saw my hero, Brendan Manning, speak at a university. And my buddy, who is the campus minister, et cetera, et cetera, he ended up going to get a hot dog with Brendan Manning. So I, I, I just like all of this together. I can't figure out what kind of person our friend PC is. Because <laughs> I'm like, all right, huh. me and SNL. Okay, that's one sort of archetype. But then we have Adam Duritz. Yeah. What's that guy doing here? I mean, he's fine. But then all of a sudden, we're eating a hot dog with Brendan Manning. I'm very confused. Yeah, yeah. a lot of different ingredients in that soup. Uh, Cameron Show said Shaquille O'Neal and I would hit the town and hang out at one of the sports Shaq Diesel is DJing at that evening. Yeah. Uh, and then he would consult him on coming up with some clever nicknames for one another. He already came up with some for himself. Cameron, you can feel free to take some of these. Uh, he included <laughs> Cammed Goods, Camp Stop Won't Stop. Uh, Abraham Lincoln and he said the night would conclude with him being lifted up by Shaq as he dunks a basketball for the first time but see but see Shaq doesn't name people like Abraham Lincoln he's it's always the big whatever the big yeah. Aristotle the big, the, big, the big the big whatever it'd yeah. be the big camshaft the big or something like that you know yeah. Peter yeah he, I think you'd be disappointed in the nickname yeah. 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 Peter said being at the DC talk reunion concert on dry land even better joining Eddie he spelled it with a Y though but Eddie at singing backup for them. So he would like to see the DC Talk reunion, but just not on a boat. Not on a cruise ship. Which I, I gotta say, kind of agree. <laughs> uh, Tate Randall said, uh, the setting, New York City. Characters, Benedict Cumberbatch with the abilities and knowledge demonstrated on Sherlock. George Clooney with the abilities and knowledge demonstrated in Ocean's Eleven. Matt Damon <laughs> from the Bourne movies. And Science Mike with his real life abilities. They mm-hmm. would undertake a bank heist but he does say in there, uh, no one is harmed and innocent people actually don't lose their money. But come on, how cool would it be to be a part of a bank heist? I totally agree. And I, I want to make a suggestion. <laughs> Should Tate be able to put together this dream team of, of, you know, criminal masterminds? No offense, Mike. I think you tap into the bacon reserves and see just how low they are and report back to the Virginia Bacon Council. And if you can steal their bacon and bring it to my reserves, 
you know, I'll look the other way, wink, wink. So make it happen, Tate. <laughs> because I got to tell you, I think the part of the movie that surprises is that the whole time you think the bacon reserves are low, but then you finally get into the reserves and you realize there's plenty of bacon and it's actually the people on the board that are corrupt. <gasps> yeah, exactly. Whoa. They're doing Scrooge McDuck dives. So you're saying they're doing like Scrooge McDuck dives in this yeah. reserve. Just yes, they're trying to their way through. They're trying to change the narrative, but we're going to put them on trial. Oh, yeah, maybe. I like it. Oh, I like it. That's true. Uh, Cindy Agoncillo uh, says, uh, girls night pizza party with Emma Stone and a Kendrick 90s rom-coms karaoke and just dance. Sign me up. Sign me uh, up. I, sign me up. Yeah. I love Romeo and Michelle. Yeah. We'll oh, take gosh. the working woman special. Thank you. <laughs> that is one of the funniest lines in all of movie history. <laughs> we'll have the working woman special. <laughs> Jenny had one. My dreamy evening would be chilling in my living room, pulling back a roll of cookie dough and eating it like a burrito with the relevant podcast couch. Jenny, that dream can come to reality. Yeah. Next time I'm in town, just show up on podcast day and bring a yeah. roll of cookie dough. I'll sit on yeah. the couch and eat it with I, you. I got to say, Jenny. Not a bad idea, <laughs> right? Because we're on a sofa watching a movie. We don't have to all talk and chit chat and whatever. We can just have some. Yeah, cookie we're facing dough. In the same direction. Yeah. No, we just all sit and have cookie dough and watch a watch a flick. Yeah. What's a big deal, Jenny? It'll be so great. Uh, all right. Well, there's a lot more uh, where those were. So go check them out and join in. Uh, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, uh, we were telling you about one of our dear, dear friends who, unfortunately, now is motherless. Um, well. For all Intents and purposes. I think he, yeah, in a social media sense. In a social media sense. When you look at the about me portion, it's been orphaned. It, it looks like family. Related to. She's not on that. There, there's a dad, there's a brother, there's a sister, mm-hmm. and him. And we're not making light of it. Uh, it was just so shocking that it happened. Shocking. Like it was like a real bummer. <laughs> Which you replied with hilarity and mom jinxes. <laughs> and I <laughs> replied with empathy. We switched, like we did a we were both freaky acting, Friday. We were thing. both acting like each other, basically. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Eddie may not reply to this. Uh, well, how, so I, what, what would, would Eddie say? Right, and, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. So yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of like nervous face emoji. I did nervous I face know, emoji. I, I was like, oh, dude, that's wrong. Because once you did that, I'm like, all right, empathy <laughs> done. Let's do the Check. joke. Yeah. Well, we want to know for this week's question of the week, your most awkward social media encounter story. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Not like you said something mean to somebody and they blocked you. That's not interesting. Uh, Can I give an example? Yes, please. And this one's got me a couple times. Okay. The Facebook scrolling on your phone. Like I've had this happen a couple times, but one time a friend of mine, uh, uh, his wife, I was friends with the wife too, but I was better, you know, I'd known the guy for a long time, gave like a very personal, like medical update about something. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And, uh, it was not something, this was before you had like the range of emotions to respond to. And literally it's, it's one of those posts and, where like they post it and there's like 212 comments, but no likes. That's yeah, what you're exactly. saying. It's not yeah, something yeah. you like. Yeah, you the know? word like is not the word. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah. like literally my as I was scrolling, I must have hit like and I started getting notifications on it. And I was like, I am literally the only one who likes this very personal, bad medical. <laughs> news. Oh, no. Oh, that makes me so happy. And, and it wasn't like a boop. Oh, oh, and then you undid it. It was like that <laughs> sat there. Yeah. I mean, so, like, I mean, eventually I did it, but the damage had been done. At that yeah. Point. Yeah. It was he and all awkward. your friends. <laughs> all yeah. Your like, what's wrong? Friends. Why did he like that? What is wrong? <laughs> yeah. 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 So like that, your most awkward social media encounter story. And uh, any of the people that I have fought with and blocked on Twitter, you're not going to make it on yeah, the show. Yeah, that's exempt. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. I'm not unblocking you. Yeah. I don't understand your point. Yeah, blah, no, blah, blah. no pleads. Uh, or, or like, okay, has anyone had this happen? Uh, like they, um, 
you know, accidentally typed something in the create post field that was meant to be in search. <laughs> I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah, I also, yeah. like if this someone, like if somebody to, puts uh, their password in their in their tweet, yeah, submit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we want those kind of those stories. kinds of stories. Yeah, and it. if you happen to have any parents that have blocked you on social Oof. media, we'd love to hear why. Sure. Um, yeah, I feel like lots of people have. Well, maybe not, but have scrolled through in Instagram maybe a little too far back and have accidentally liked a photo from like. Oh yeah. That's always like you're looking totally. through a buddy's like old uh, old pictures from something, you know, not and you, a buddy, yeah, not you a buddy. like you accidentally girl, like one from like six through. years like a, ago. She, someone you may be interested in. Yeah, someone you may be interested in. You're <laughs> just learning about them <laughs> and all of a sudden. An X or it's something. It's like playing <laughs> Operation. You have to be so careful <laughs> <laughs> while you're scrolling. Right, right. It right. is that weird thing though. If like you see this random like about a picture from four years ago, you're like, what are you doing that for? Yeah, who's creeping on my photo album, And you were just so overcome at that point that you just it was like all the likes had just built up to the point yeah. I have to acknowledge this <laughs> yeah and like boom yeah that is well weird. now Instagram has that weird feature where you can save a photo to your feed it has that little flag yeah and it will alert the person if you do that but sometimes if you're scrolling you're you might just accidentally tap it. Yeah, you might so, have just accidentally done like that with several guys last like, night. Yeah, I feel like you're trying to tell someone something. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, 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 no. This is some this sort is of encoded. I have message. big thumbs. I have big thumbs. Yeah, I, I've accidentally poked someone before. That's weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, like they, I was on their profile, or somehow it ended up there and accidentally hit poke, and that was weird. Well, a couple know. of podcast uh, uh, listeners, uh, you know, guys on Facebook have have sent me a poke, and I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with this. You poke back my favorite one why <laughs> my favorite was done by jesse carey where we were at a pretty That's big so poking weird. battle back and forth back and forth and then he sends me a text of president james polk and said you're burned <laughs> and that was it that was the end of the game wow. yeah, i said you're poked because yeah. it's pl yeah yeah it was a great joke fantastic would have made it in the cognitive uh yeah that's so yeah. so smart the yes. cognitive history it's so funny magazine uh, many thanks to our guests for joining us. The Brilliance's new album is called All Is Not Lost, and our crack music reviewer, Eddie Koffeltz, could not give it more thumbs up. I, I forget it. <laughs> Thank you also to Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitao for joining us. Their book is called Jesus Among Secular Gods, and it's out now. And thanks also to Christina Kleinpeter and Jenny Yang for joining us. If you want to learn more about World, World Relief's work or even get involved, you should check out worldrelief.org. Thanks to the show sponsors, Squarespace, for making this episode possible. Remember, you can go over to Squarespace, start building a site for free, no credit card required, but when you decide to sign up, at squarespace.com. You can enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase. You should do it. You won't be disappointed. I actually dare you. Like a love dare? No, just I dare you to start a Squarespace site. It feels like fun, like thing to dare. Why like, would you dare them that? <laughs> they will benefit. Usually dares are things they don't benefit from. Like you dare them because you oh. want them to do it and it's not in their best interest. I guess it would be, I'd be, wins on this dare. I'd be the recipient of the dare. You, they're daring me. I don't think you know what a dare is. Is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pronounces it. Dare. Look up that word. Webster's Dictionary defines dare as. <laughs> oh, look at this! I see what dare. No, this has nothing to do with what I want them to do. Squarespace. <laughs>
Hey, whatever happened to Double Dares? Mark Summers still? <laughs> hey, uh, remember last week we mentioned that we were in the middle of sending our Big March redesign issue of Relevant to Print? Well, uh, literally as of today, it is at the printer fully cool. as of blow today. Yeah, upload the PDF. Well, uh, let's say this. Uh, 99 pages are at the printer as we speak, and after I leave this room, I will send my column. So... A hundred wow. pages will be at the printer by the end of uh, work big today. Thing. Big, big day, big redesign. So, and I'm getting junk for being a minute late to the podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, the deadline is end of day today. Hey. He says. Um, hey. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not five minutes early, but I'm not a minute late. So I'm right, right on, on time. time. Yeah. Right on time. Right. Um, Either so way, Chandler is not pleased. You won't want to miss it. Is all I can say. Now that I've seen the full thing come together, I it is our best work in 16 years. I am so proud of this thing. The team poured everything into this. Yeah. This has been brewing for a lot of time. A lot of ideas um, have come to fruition and we're so excited for you guys to see it. Uh, Did the capital letters get cut? I'm looking over at the board right now. Become a, become, it got moved. Oh, that article got moved. Oh, what There's a bummer. There's an M, not an A. Yeah. Oh, it's an M. It's an M now. Ooh, nice yeah. directional shift. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, become a subscriber. You won't regret it. Um, prices, when this releases, prices, because it, we're, the redesign is bigger, uh, more higher quality. The prices are going up. They have to because our prices are going up. Our cost is going up. So if you want to get <laughs> grandfathered in at the crazy cheap price, go over to relevantmagazine.com and subscribe today. Relevant Magazine. I dare you to read it. There, wait, <laughs> does that work? No. Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you not to read it. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm confusing the word dare with like you two. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, 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 He's at thesaurus.com right now. Oh, that's not uh, Oh, I see. I yeah. see. Uh, there I you was go. saying, don't read it. That's not right. <laughs> you should read that magazine. Like this magazine is terrible. I dare you to read it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like so bad. What? Yeah, like this tastes awful. I dare you to taste it. Right, right, yeah. right. We're like mixing chocolate milk and mashed potatoes in the lunchroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. You're getting a <laughs> judgy look from the lunch lady. You're like just, this yeah. is what somebody paid for in St. Paul, oh, Indiana. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my gosh! On that note, we'll wrap it up. See, I'm dark humor. Strang. I literally just put a bow on the entire show. That was phenomenal. <laughs> wow. I'm Eddie. Chelsea Steele. <laughs> I'm Chandler String. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. That would make me be a hypocrite if I was to stand in judgment. Yeah. I know our melanin and white berry. The various gradients this great planet of ours carry. And it's such a wonderful picture. A colorful concoction. Let them tell it I would have missed it. It ain't a prison, it's a prism. And I'ma stand with you when they trippin' in your town. And I know all lives matter, but I'm focused on yours now. Boy, I saw the sign Cause what's coursing through your veins is the same Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. I see my brother. I see my The garment of our courage The power to make the peace we long to know well, the, the lyrics is what it, I, It's kind of ah, la, la, I love it Five stars